0: I V M
1: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 168 of Shunevan, continuing our mini series of talking to very interesting direct consumer brands. Amit, uh, how are you doing? How do you like uh, this one today?
2: This one was good, man. I mean, like, uh, so this is a brand that I've been kind of interested in because, I mean, like, you know, you see them on Instagram a lot. At least I see them on Instagram a lot, right? I I saw uh, them
1: early on. I bought them uh, in the uh, way back when it was unheard of, I guess, in beyond popular uh, public. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I've been an early adopter.
2: No, uh, so I bought one pair from them a while ago as well, right? I, I like them. I think they're really good, right? I think that, uh, I, I like the idea of like, you know, these cloth shoes, which are mm-hmm. cool on the feet and not to kind of, like, you know, the, uh, I, I think uh, Taran talks about this a little bit in the conversation about how you can wear these for like long periods of time compared to leather shoes. Right. But um it's a really interesting brand and I really like the uh, sustainable aspects of it too. I think that, that, that that's Absolutely. really interesting in terms of how they're approaching very, this.
1: Very, very cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot we cover on this episode about uh, shoes in general, of course, and uh, the kind of uh, intense research these guys have been uh, doing to build, uh, give this product to us. So, yes, let's jump right in. We're talking to Taran Chhabra, the co-founder of Niemans, a very, very cool product. Uh, you know, direct-to-consumer brand. So let's take a break and come back and listen to this episode. Hey, Taran, welcome to Shunya One. Uh, Thank you for being our guest today. Welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Amit. Thanks so much, Hiraditya. Pleasure being on the show.
1: Yes, and uh, you've uh, running an iconic, uh, interesting brand for some time now. And uh, I was sharing earlier offline that I actually saw Neiman's way, way back, probably when you guys launched uh, in the early days. And uh, as a as a fascinating new uh, kind of footwear, because uh, the promise was sockless, sockless shoes, uh, which I could just wear, be comfortable in all day. And, uh, and I bought a pair early on and I loved it. It was, uh, you know, I think uh, those were the days I was traveling a lot. Uh, so whether it was an airplane, whether it was uh, walking around in the office, uh, in, in the air conditioning, those woolen shoes were amazing. Thanks so much. But yeah, I mean, work from home, I, I, am not wearing too many shoes. <laughs> but but uh, uh, you please get us tell us, clops, uh, yes. you got a flip but, but tell us what, the story, Taran. I mean, what what's been the story? What's been you know the origins of uh, this brand for your for you for you for your own story as an entrepreneur? Uh, if you could help us. Of start. course,
0: right. So I come from a from a data background, right? Uh, I was in the US for about a decade. Right. I went from India in 2007, did my masters in computer science, and worked in different parts of the US. Right. My my core background is uh, in data strategy, business strategy, and and juggling around different parts of you know New Yorkers, what I was doing up for a living up there. And uh, my day started at six in the morning, right? I was staying in New Jersey. I used to work in Philadelphia. I used to run through the train station. So that involved a running shoe and then take an hour and a half of train, get down at the train station, run again to Philadelphia downtown to where I was working. Then I used to put on uh, a leather shoe, which I used to hate.
1: Oh, wow. Then after I three, four those. hours...
0: After three, four hours, I should take them off again, put on my running shoe back, and then go for lunch, right? So this this was a normal behavior that I had gotten into, right, uh, up there. And I still remember my basement was full of sneakers. I'd owned maybe 150 pair of shoes back then. And this purchase behavior was not driven by my love for brands. It was purely driven by my frustration of not being able to wear something that I truly loved in terms of comfort, right? And... I used to talk to this about to my friends and a lot of family. And and uh, the struggles that I had was very synonymous. And back in 2016, when we were, um, in fact, traveling to Spain, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, we're doing completely opposite of what should be done in a Euro trip. My wife was traveling with one pair of shoes, and I had five different pairs of shoes, right? I had a different suitcase just for me. I had a running shoe. I had a walking shoe. Yes, because of course, brands categorize running and walking is two different characteristics, right? I had a work shoe for, there for a few days of work. I had an evening lounging shoe, right? Because if you imagine, your running shoe is so bulky, you can't wear it at work. Your work shoe is made with leather, right? Which kind of restricts the movement of your foot. It kind of compresses it. So you can't mm. wear it for four, five hours in a day, right? And, and then... If you're out in an evening party, that involved a different characteristic or a different type of shoe. And a bunch of events during this um, whole travel experience, right, kind of left me wondering as to why don't I do something about this about this frustration. That's when I started talking to a lot of people in India, a lot of people in the U.S. We did a bunch of research and, um, you know, came up with Niemans. We spent about two years, material design, research, created the entire supply chain. And the day we launched Nemans is the day I quit my job in the U.S. and came back to India.
2: Wow. Great. Yeah, very good. I, I have one uh, question for you, which is maybe not so product related, uh, sure. but just kind of has to do with where I'm from. Why would you work in Philadelphia, and live in New Jersey, of all places? Why wouldn't you live in Philadelphia? Ah, it's a much no, better place that's... to live.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's a classic case of of, of of what happens after marriage, right? My wife used to work in New York, and she loved New York to the right? I think uh, if I was yeah, that's city, a long train journey every day. Yeah, it is. It is It's a hundred miles. Yeah, it is. And and then I started working from home a lot, and uh, I think I'm a you know true workaholic in that sense. And and I told them that I'm more productive when I'm home rather than traveling. And then I left that job, I started I started consulting and, and taking up only, you know, remote projects. So it was an interesting journey from 2016 to 2018, how I paced my travel and learned about footwear
2: and launch Neiman's. I, I would think so. I, I mean, like, um, even I'm a, I'm a fan of Neiman's in that sense, right? I've always liked the non-traditional material shoes. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, like, you know, it's it, it really does work well. But I, 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 how difficult was it, like, you know, the in a world of, you know, where leather is so predominant in India, right, in that sense? Yeah. How difficult was it to kind of get people okay with the idea that, uh, you know, you can use these kinds of slightly, uh, these off-center materials or non-traditional materials, right, for shoes? I mean, like, uh, how difficult was it to kind of convince people around that particular idea? the consumer I we had,
0: uh, the right i think uh, we had our our fair share of learnings along the way in our journey right and while we were brainstorming and we came up with the idea that this is going to be comfort and sustainability driven right uh, because uh, as a as an individual right or as founders we truly believed in you know doing good for the ecosystem right doing good for the environment and using materials that were Sustainable in nature that existed within the ecosystem, but that was the easier part, right? That was then. How do you make these products, right? So we made a list of a bunch of materials. We started with cotton. We started with hemp, bamboo, recycled recycled materials, and then we looked at merino wool, which is our premium product. We loved what merino wool brought to the table, right? And post we launched it, you know, we we looked at levers of what's going to be, what's going to be the adaption journey, right? How are going to people know about us, right? We had a couple of options. One, to go the traditional way footwear is being sold in India, which is predominantly wholesaler driven, distributor driven. We said if Neiman's is sitting on a shelf with Nike, people are not going to pick up Neemans if they don't know what it stands for. So a store is not going to work. A wholesaler is not going to work. You know, we got to do it ourselves, right? And we started looking at content. We said startup founders could adopt us, right? Technology geeks could adopt us because we, want, we, were, we were reaching out to the geeky people, right? We did a, a campaign on Twitter, right? We started looking at LinkedIn. We started using a bunch of content levers. And what we did is we made footwear feature-driven, just like electronics. We said, the brand has just started. So people don't know what Neiman says, Right. We started more on the product, we started more on the technology, which is wool, which is the product, right? We said, this is comfortable because this is made with wool. For the first time, a shoe can be worn sockless. We said temperature regulating. We said no order. We said, uh, again, we said India's first ever merino wool footwear, the ease of use and machine washable, right? So... For the longest, people have either been value driven, which is, which is sold at sub 500, 800 rupees in India, or the best of brands, Nike's or Adidas or Pumas of the world, which is completely brand driven. There's no one that stands in between, right? There's no Indian brand today that's built aspiration, that's used innovation, that's used product differentiation. So we said we got to be that brand. So. I think content was started working well phenomenally within a few months. People started trying us out. Repeat started coming in. All started all kinds of questions started pouring in. So we knew we were down the the right path per se, right? Of, of consumer engagement and and then pushing them towards a purchase.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's also a very interesting uh, product line that you're talking about, right? I mean, obviously the shoes market, like you said, is absolutely well defined like this. It's the roadside shoes you can buy if i have to put it very yeah. crudely to the yeah. people who care about their the brand they're wearing and of course the specialist yeah. sort of uh, the athletic of side of shoe yeah. buying uh but this product led, led sort of selling that you guys uh, focused on and you saw the early movers on so what was when did you see that okay this is a this is a demand like why did you say uh, like i i can just speaking for myself i think sockless was what attracted me i remember yeah. now that you yeah. mentioned it the washability was what attracted yeah. me did you yeah. go about seeing that this was a problem area where people worried about like hey my shoes are difficult to wash or hey i want to wear sockless like how did you know that this would even take you know like what kind of research went into that market right so
0: this is uh moving towards uh, convenience, right? Or what is stopping people from wearing a shoe to 12, 14 hours, right? And this is where, as founders, a lot of our frustration went in, right? Like none of us come from the traditional consumer or a manufacturing background or a, or a footwear background. We looked at a deep dive from a consumer struggle, right? Uh, what's the buying behavior? Where do they go? At what price do they spend? And what do they typically expect? And what do they don't expect? And when we came across Merino as a material, we said this is going to be revolutionary, right? Because imagine if we told people you can wear a shoe sockless, imagine you can wear it in summer and in winter with the same ease because this material behaves, basis the temperature of our foot, right? So this is very dependent on the outside temperature and the and the body temperature of the uh, of the wearer, right? So this was led to a lot of research that we had done in India, and in the US saying, what would be game-changing for you? Why are you not wearing a shoe for eight hours? Why are you not wearing a shoe for 10 hours? And then we started doing a bunch of trials. I still remember we gifted 500 pairs of our shoes right to different people and said, just wear it. Right? Just wear it. And and I still remember a bunch of people who are wearing those prototypes for the last four years. Right? The bad thing is that they haven't bought after that. But <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is they're still wearing it. So. Uh, it was surprised surprise to a lot of people, right, on how thin these materials appeared, but how durable they could be. Because we are so used to rigid materials that the initial, you know, 5 to 7% of the people said, this is not going to be durable. I'm so used to wearing leather. This, this, is, this is something else. I don't even think this will last a couple of months. And then we were very, very bullish. We said, wear it. Even after a year, we are going to take it back, right? Don't worry, we are here right this is a no questions ask refund today or or 12 months down the road so yeah it was a lot of our perception what we thought would be uh, you know game changing or you know will I help adoption adoption and and that that helped
1: interesting you know you're going down just one more line on that category that you are in right which is it's again footwear that itself i think now coming to the direct selling part of it, right? How how could you define the focus on brand versus focus on distribution versus focus on product price point? Like what were those early levers that you used to, let's say, beyond the influencer set, which you just spoke about? When did this convert to a real business? Like at what click did this, did you see that, okay, now I'm going to go multi SKU. uh, I'm going to do, you know, length and breadth of footwear.
0: I think from day one, right, since we started looking at footwear, right? I think I'd made over 350 prototypes uh, from our early set of manufacturers, right? And from that day onwards, I used to talk to my friends in the US and say, I see this working out and I'm going to quit my job, right? So I think from day one, that madness was there. I pitched to several people in Silicon Valley and they said, you've got to be crazy to quit your job in the U.S. and go back to India. Don't do it. The first investor I pitched to India told me to go back to the U.S., right? So from day one, I think the more people said no, the more uh, conviction I got that this is going to be a great product. Because I truly was seeing the transition from the first sample to the 100, 200 product. And I'd seen that this product could mean a lot to a a deep set of people, right? But then, when we were launching, we always wanted to reduce our skew. One, we were bootstrapped. Two, we wanted to improve the buying behavior. Now, you walk into uh, a multi-branded store, right? Or you walk into, or you browse any Western website, right? It has 30 different categories. Within each category, there are a zillion pair of pairs, uh, pairs to shop from. The buying behavior online is completely broken. There is no way you can figure out the right pair within a few minutes. Now, when I was actively running in the U.S., I used to read blogs for days before deciding what's going to be my right pair. So I said it shouldn't be that difficult. You give people the best when you truly believe that's the best, and you just give them a couple of pairs. Right? Make the behavior, make the decision making a couple of minutes. Right? And and truly make uh, the whole journey to buy a pair super easy online. Hence, we started with three styles just three colors in each style. We did that for a good year. In a year, we had a certain set of customers, 15 odd repeat percentage. We raised our first round. And then we said, we know these products are doing well. Let's not add 100 different products. We introduced 10 new colors in each product. We again went deeper as a category. right? So that's just how we've implemented uh, uh, you know, because we always knew 80% of your sales come from 20% of your best product. So why have uh, you know so many styles and so many colors right just limit your catalog and get a very very deep volume from it and that this is such
1: an such an interesting contrast to i mean uh, again uh, there's another subculture of footwear which is like so huge where uh, people are sneaker heads and there are uh, the Yeezys of the world and whatnot, right. Uh, Of you know, trying to be unique and scarce. And here you are trying to give everyone just 10 choices and say, you know, everyone just wear one of these 10. So it's, it's amazing that both these worlds exist uh, with such, such customer love. Uh, And that's amazing. to see.
0: Yeah. There is, there's different behaviors of consumers, right. And, one market is to make it limited, right? One market is to make it scarce and make it limited edition. While we have started to introduce limited edition as well, and, and there are some pairs that we it's very difficult for us to keep them in stock. We sell like 500 units at times the moment it's launched, right? And uh, that love has started to come in. And now we've started to look at a few limited editions just so that people enjoy a certain color, they buy it, and that's ne- never sold again. So to make them feel more privileged. Mm-hmm. And that's something also we're trying to leverage, right? Uh, why shy away from Nice. It? Yeah. Nice.
1: Nice. All right. All right. Uh, I have a bunch of more questions, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, Tarun, we're going to take a quick break and come back sure. and talk a little bit more about these. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Taran, I mean, you've been telling us the story of Neiman's, obviously, the why, the how, uh, you know, what you guys have built. Uh, Let's uh, get into a little more detail, I think, on, you know, the product again. It's fascinating how you use the technology analogy, you know, like how people today buy phones with features. Uh, You guys are selling shoes with features. But the tech is really, really important behind what you guys have built. I mean, it's not just manufacturing tech, Uh, There's also obviously the entire, you know, the selling, uh, the direct consumer uh, e-commerce bit as well. So talk us through a few of the decisions uh, around that and, you know, how you guys are standing out.
0: Sure. I think it is, it all started with, uh, you know, what's our our premier goal, right? Our premier goal is again to craft an exceptionally comfortable footwear And, and make no mistake, it's exceptionally comfortable. That's designed to be worn for 12, 14 hours a day. Plus, it is made with uh, the most naturally available, renewable, and recycled materials today in our ecosystem. And when we looked at the horizon, we said, what should be our first material that we should go after? After a bunch of prototypes, it was very, very clear that Merino wool is going to be a standout material for us. Now, the decision that we had to make was this is a very premium fiber. So it's going to launch the product at a premium pricing which we wanted to do, right? Because we wanted to have our first early set of consumers feel very, very special. And, and they also know, you know, what Neiman stands for as a product, right? Hmm. And then we started speaking to a bunch of people in India, overseas, and we created the entire supply chain, which was very, very unique because nobody in India heard
2: about this material. I, that, that was one of my questions, right? I mean, like, I, I wanted sure. to understand uh, a little bit about uh, how did you set up a, like, I mean, like, this is a fairly large supply chain of Merino wool, which is a, yeah. as you mentioned, just a really unusual material in India in that sense, right? I mean, like, I've seen a few suits yeah. here and there, but uh, mostly it's not that popular a thing. And uh, so for that matter, I've I mean, seen like, like the,
1: winter, winter wear, actually. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's not that much, though. Stuff like
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. I get the decision, but I mean, like, how'd you go about doing that, right? I mean, like, to uh, set up your uh, line of supply for it. Right. So, globally, there were only two brands
0: who had explored merino wool and footwear, right? And they were making it in very different parts of the world. One was in Italy and the other was in Austria. We started speaking to a bunch of uh, Indian manufacturers, right? And none of them wanted to explore this route because they were into... uh, exporting merino wool socks and t-shirts, which is a very different technology, right And uh, now you spoke about merino wool in jackets and Raymond's does that, right And it's a very expensive jacket. And it's a more you know roughy kind of material of merino wool. What we wanted to use is more premium, thin, softer material so that it feels like cashmere right. It kind of feels like you're walking on clouds. And uh, so we reached out to a company in Australia. They are called the Woolmark Company. They are a non-profit organization funded by Australian government and Australian merino wool farmers. So I went to their Hong Kong office, went to their New York office, came to their India office and told them to collaborate with us, right? Give us the technical know-how and work with us, right? They were obviously apprehensive because they had been in India for 20 years and they couldn't make merino wool truly adaptable, right? Because... Raymond's was using it. Brooks Brothers was using it. But this is very, very premium pricing. And we said, we'll make Merino wool, you know, the next big thing, right? We'll make it adaptable by a common person. So it took several pitches and uh, they introduced and we worked with several manufacturers in South Korea, Australia. So we took the manufacturing out of India, right? And we made about eight to 10 different types of fabrics, which were uh, durable, which were designed for Indian weather conditions, right? So we had done elaborate weather testing. I still remember I wore it to Mexico where it was about 55 degrees, right? And said, okay, wow. if I can survive that temperature, right? Then I can, I, you know, India India is good for it. So it was a year and a half of effort, uh, you know, back and forth. And we have still kept it in Korea because we don't think it, the quality is can be attained. Now we are working with some of the largest people in India to, you know, craft a similar material, just so that we have more supply chains. But yeah, a lot of back and forth, uh, a lot of know-how. In, in in from the consumer point of view, testing in various scenarios, you know, helped us build an initial supply chain.
2: i w- I've been looking at your website every so often, right, because I keep trying to see if you're. Your wool loafers become available in size twelve, which doesn't seem to be happening. Sorry to kind of give you customers a customer complaint here, but the uh, but I keep going to check, right? And I I saw the PET shoes uh, recently, and the cotton I think was been there for a while. Uh, but I mean, like, uh, what are the uh, why 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 the decisions in terms of like PET plastic, right? I know that you have a sustainable agenda, but I mean, like. That seems like an unusual, recycled plastic seems like an unusual choice to make, right? In terms of uh, material for shoes. Why, 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 why those kinds of Sure. So once we started with wool,
0: right? And wool started doing well. And just to elaborate, our fabric is made outside India, but our product is assembled in India. So all God. our materials are 100% made in India, right? And that's by thought process that uh, being a sustainable brand, we shouldn't make our products travel so much because then the carbon emission increases. And uh, post-Wool, we said, uh, you know, what's going to increase our adaption, right? What's going to increase, uh, what, what's going to get a Gen Z adopt to Niemans, right? What's going to get a millennial to look at uh, Neiman's, right? And we so loved cotton. Cotton is a natural material that's been available for so long. Plus, it's very, very affordable. So we made it better. We coupled it with recycled cotton, and we launched our cotton classic speakers, right? So we started with Merino Wool, right? And it was just one product. It's a product-driven company. But from a product-driven company, we always wanted to make it a brand which hosts a bunch of different sustainable technologies, creating different types of footwear. And uh, of course, cotton is way more affordable and helps mm. us diversify our audience as well. Now, there are people who are buying vans. There are people who are buying Converse, right? Why should they buy a Western brand? Why can't you know they look at a, a you know an amazing Indian brand? and and cotton was an answer to those set of audience, and it it does very well for us. Post that, uh, now plastic bottles per se is a major problem within the ecosystem. Now, we as a brand, we can't stop the consumption of plastic bottles, but we could do something about it. Now, so to elaborate what happens after a plastic is consumed, it can't be recycled. So it gets dumped into landfills or oceans, and our marine life tends to consume this plastic, be that plastic bags, be that plastic bottles, and we are harming and we are creating an imbalance within the ecosystem. So being a sustainable brand, we follow the concept of circular economy. Now, what circular economy means is you consume anything that is available within the ecosystem. Now, a natural material is available within the ecosystem, right? Sheep grow their skin year after year. So that's a natural material. We consume sheep. Cotton comes from plants. We're not doing doing anything to craft it. It's naturally available. Now, plastic bottles is available. It can't be recycled. So what we do is we collect those recycled, those plastic bottles from oceans, landfills. We recycle them. We crush them. We create small plastic pellets. From those plastic pellets, we create a yarn. And from that yarn, we make a shoe. So basically what we're doing is we are using a plastic bottle to create recycled polyester. So, we are using something that was about to harm the environment to create a new product. So, that goes back to the concept of circular economy, where consumption of energy is less and the pollution is also less. And plus, we do our part in cleaning up the oceans and landfills. We've close to recycled now, close to 3 million plastic bottles already. Sorry, how many? Close to 3 million plastic bottles.
2: 3 million.
0: million three money, okay. And we call this collection the Relive Collection. Because something that's lost yeah. its life, we're giving giving it new life. Hence,
1: relive. You know, I've I've seen this. Uh, obviously, I've seen this uh, entire uh, the campaign you've done, the promotions yeah. you do around it. Obviously, it's amazing to see the 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 value you are delivering because yeah. of this, so just from a sustainability yeah. angle. Uh, but I've been keen to always, and I see, and a lot of brands do this, right? I think recycled yeah. plastic has started to finally show up in more uh, places as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, especially I think even in the shoe market, even in the big brands, I know uh, yeah, yeah. some brands are and trying I'm, to do it's this. It's
0: good stuff. that they've adapted to it, right? And I think this is something that we've always been very vocal about, that people will come into this and it's going to help the ecosystem because they are going to use better materials, you know, be that for a short-term gimmick or be that from a long-term value perspective. We want other people to make yeah. better sustainable so My
1: My question was more around the details of how easy or hard is it to really do this? I mean, you just mentioned you collect from landfills, you collect from, like there's a massive amount of processing and hence cost and hence overheads that you guys are investing in uh, creating this uh, this product uh, versus the traditional ones. So obviously, since you have a conscious decision to do it, you're willing to take the efforts. But uh, how hard or easy is it this today? I mean, uh, from a like plastic bottle to yarn and a shoe, Tomorrow so think, it could be something else, right? So yeah. just wanted to understand. I think that. As
0: the as the ecosystem is evolving, right, the costs are gonna come down. Now we've uh, we thought about relive as a collection two years ago, right? So it, it did take a lot of time in finding the right factory, convincing them. And again to find a factory who could build a supply chain, right? Who had a larger unit of plastic crushing who could work with us, collaborate with us, even though our quantities in the beginning were not deep enough. I think now our quantities are large enough to meet any larger international brands, right? So hence, uh, you know, the costs were slightly higher, right? Because one is uh, when you're buying a product that's already available in the shelf, right? It's gonna be more affordable, right? It's made in bulk, it's made for the masses. And it often has a lot of chemicals that are involved. So the costs are lower. But what we're doing is we're building an entire supply chain. So the cost slightly goes up uh, in terms of manufacturing. But we've tried our best, wherein we've taken up the costs on our end and said, we'll not let the consumer pay a premium because he's buying a sustainable product. Because in the end, this is not a social enterprise. We are building a lifestyle brand, which we want people to be. And it has to be affordable as well, right? Uh, hence, we've taken, say, ten percent of the cost on us. Saying we'll still price it at at, at right. a certain range, so that uh, it doesn't become expensive and people don't buy us.
1: But uh, it's your what you're saying is that it's now technically so uh, is solved. I mean, there is a. It's possible to effectively crush plastic and create a shoe. so there are. Which which gives all of us hope and as as an entrepreneur community, whoever's listening could probably think of, you know, building more things with such recycling uh, capabilities available in the market
0: today. Of course, there are amazing brands that have started to use recycled plastic in apparel. There are socks. Uh, You know, one of my friends launched electronics with plastic, recycled plastic. So I think there's this a bunch of very smart entrepreneurs who are adapt- adopting to, you know, sustainable technologies.
1: That's great. That's great. This gives us uh, finally a lot of hope for, uh, you know, sustainable materials to finally make it mainstream into the in the marketplace. Uh, you, uh, Taran, just, a, you know, uh, a little thought on maybe now on the, you know, selling to consumers directly piece. Uh, obviously, you've invested a lot of uh, time and effort planning your brand, the material, the product, uh, what about your go to market? how has that been and can you tell t- tell us in these four years how you've seen that change I mean especially the last uh two years maybe of the you know pandemic for a brand like yours they you I'd imagine there were uh, both highs and lows you know in contrast to uh, let's say d2c brands which have mostly seen higher adoption. so could you yeah. tell us about that a little bit and uh, where you guys sure. are today in this in terms of scale yeah.
0: So I think uh, we were very, very clear right, uh, that it's going to be a digital channel, which is going to evolve onto offline and then experimental stores and, uh, you know, co-working spaces. So we always were focused from day one that it's going to start from online, then go on to marketplaces, then stores and then store in stores, right? So from day one, that was the thought process and we started looking. And how do we reduce the apprehensions of people? Right now, there are multiple issues that you encounter in footwear. Right sizing is very different from brands. Different material makes sizing different. But what we did was our materials are very stretchable and breathable. That's solves for sizing, right? And our exchanges are maybe one third of the industry. Right? That's because how we've solved for material, and hence we were able to grow a lot faster. But during COVID, uh, I think we started getting to a lot of issues, one with demand, right? And uh, we were uh, very resonating to the fact that, you know, people are stuck at home. How do you push them to buy more footwear? Right? it's not fair where they are battling their health situation, right? To try, you know, shoving a shoe saying, go buy this, right? And we started positioning our shoe as uh, a great work-from-home or in workout-driven shoe, right? Just, which is a trend that we started seeing picking up because exercise was, was becoming the need of the hour. I think cycling right. picked up, run picked up, right? Long walks picked up. And one of our categories, which is, you know, truly a 12, 14-hour can be worn for long walks, walks started doing exceptional volumes. But we had some trouble in the supply chain, right? Which was global. The timelines were increasing. And that's when we brought all our manufacturing to India and we made it 100% assembly in India. I think since then, um, it's been pretty good as a brand. We have grown in you know multiple fold, launched new technologies, launched India's first ever flip-flop that's again made with recycled tires, right? Which people wouldn't have imagined saying tires and flip-flops. And uh, that is doing very well for us. Very peppy colors, right? So I think it's very important how we've taken sustainability and changed the core of it. Five years ago, mm. sustainable mm. products looked ugly, right? So it was, mm. you you are actually foregoing something to do something good for the environment. We said that shouldn't be the case. A sustainable product should look good, should feel good, should be extremely stylish, right? And it yeah. should be comparable to any other product that you buy from if we could solve for that, then we'll create, we'll increase the adoption for it, right? And now, even legacy Indian brands are looking at sustainability, which is which is very, very good science. Nice. Nice.
1: I mean, that's great to see. And of course, uh, you know, in spite of that, you mentioned COVID, you guys have obviously innovated. Uh, I definitely have to try the slip-ons, uh, which uh, you recommended. And uh, so, you know, as a as a closing note Taran, uh, what where are uh, if people have been listening to this show uh, you know where are you reachable do you want to do a shout out to uh, the kind of folks who would love to you know talk to you get into not just uh, maybe D2C but sustainable uh, uh, products or anything else uh, what's the best place to reach you and do you want to plug uh, anything else uh, to sure. people who are looking right. to know more right so I
0: think uh, you know, I'll drop in my email address I'm best reachable via email. I'm at uh, tchabra, T-C-H-H-A-B-R-A at the rate neemans.com, dot com. I'm I'm pretty prompt on my emails. I respond uh, very, very quickly. So if you have any questions, if you need any brainstorming, any help, I work with, uh, you know, Still a very early entrepreneur, but I'm always there to bounce off any ideas and help the ecosystem. And if you want to connect, drop me a note, I'm I'm happy to chat.
2: Awesome. Uh, Great. I'd also like to just quickly remind everybody, if you enjoyed this conversation that we had right now with Taran, uh, please do let somebody know, tell a friend. That is really helpful to spread the word about the show. Uh, Also, do give us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube. Uh, Those help as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Super. and You know, Taran, uh, thank you so much for doing this uh, and t- telling us about the journey of Neiman's. We'll, of course, uh, keep a watch of all the cool things and uh, limited editions uh, that, <laughs> that that show up. Uh, so, you know, wishing you and the whole team uh, all the best. And this is really amazing work that you guys are doing. Thank you
0: so much. And Amit, uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, we started off with a very limited sizing. To see how people like Bool in a in a drive-in loafer, and uh, the response has been truly terrific, and it's it's tough to keep them in stock but we are introducing a UK12 and I'm going to take your contact information and I will remember <laughs> to send you a pair
2: the day we launch it, right? <laughs> yeah. Please, yes. that would be amazing because <laughs> I wanted to get, uh, I wanted laceless, right? I mean, like I was looking yeah. for a laceless wool yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, that was the laceless word, uh, version that was there. Yeah. And I oh, keep 100%. checking every couple of days, every couple of weeks or so. Yeah.
0: No, but... please don't. I will send you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a few weeks until <laughs> they come back. Uh, with oh. all together. we've never had a 12 but we will get them back very soon
1: the sheep are scared Amit they're like what <laughs> <laughs> for one shoe <laughs> how much of me do you want
2: <laughs> yeah that's true actually but can't help the big feet yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you thank Super you so nice. much Dara. this was an amazing chat thank you